Welcome to the Sporting Ones podcast with Rowan Haydos, episode 13, looking at the AFL prelim finals. Exciting time of the year. How are you going, Haydos? Yes, very excited, as you mentioned. Um, West Coast with a chance to go into the GF or a chance to break my heart, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, you're definitely up and about. I can feel that. Um, so we'll just have a quick review of the semifinals and how... Uh, Melbourne and Collingwood got there. So Melbourne played uh, Hawthorne on the Friday night and Hawthorne were the much more um, uh, fancy going into the finals, but then coming up after losing to Richmond in the qualifying final, found themselves up against a uh, resurgent Melbourne Demon side and uh, Melbourne probably won it comfortably in the end. A few hairy moments, but... uh, they, for mine, were always the better side in that one. Yeah, I agree. Um, Melbourne, they definitely had the the run of the game as a whole. As you said, Hawthorne did have a few um, surges of momentum, which can happen. And there was a uh, miss from Gunston, which everyone's talking about. That really um, swayed things back towards Melbourne when Hawthorne were hot. But uh, five goal and pretty comfortable winners in the end for Melbourne. Yeah, see, I know everyone goes on about that, but that was in the third quarter. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, it was, but that would have put them under 10 points deficit at the time. But did Hawthorne not then score three goals at the start of the final quarter to get within 12 points? As you said, there were multiple momentum shifts, but who knows what would have happened if he had kicked it. That's true. I still don't buy into that. I think um, even if he had kicked it, Melbourne, I think for mine, still probably would have won that. Um, the other game was Collingwood and GWS. This was quite um, hotly contested. It was hard fought. I know a lot of uh, mentions being made of the Giants' uh, finish of the season and perhaps some of their players uh, not performing to their best. But I thought they put up a uh, a really good fight. And in previous years, um, I would have thought that they would have rolled over a bit. And they didn't. They stuck it out to the end. Made Collingwood earn it. Um, but Collingwood were, were far too good in the end. Well, GWS's form in the back half of the year was really good, bar those two last rounds of the minor season. But they had uh, a lot of form behind them and a lot of momentum. And Collingwood had to earn it, but they did earn it. And by doing that, they really uh, bona fide their season. It's been pretty good for them. And they get a chance to make a GF if they can topple Richmond. The, the one player that disappointed me for GWS, and he continues to divide opinion, for mine, he he should be the preeminent forward of the generation that he's in, but he's not. And there's questions as to why, and that's Jeremy Cameron. Has all the talent in the world, and yet just doesn't seem to produce it on a regular enough basis for him to be labelled as a complete match winner. I think what he really needs is another big target to sort of take a little bit of pressure off himself and to um, just allow him a little bit more freedom, maybe roam up the ground a little bit more when you're not getting into it. And, um, yeah, as you said, he's got a lot of lot of talent. He had that first year where he kicked over 50 goals or something. Um, so, yeah, he's definitely got the skills to do it and... You know, maybe he just needs a little bit more up, uh, support up forward and then he can get back to that 60-goal sort of season. Is that support someone that's on the injury list that's been on that injury list for most of his career? Who's that? Jonathan Patton. 
Yeah, potentially. But, um, you know, they did play a few games together this year and um, Cameron had a few good games, but probably not as many as he'd like. So while Patton is a good presence, um, maybe it's not him. His body's just not really letting him having that good run at footy. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they might go looking in the off-season. For mine, the difference in that game, I think if you put Josh Kelly into that midfield... I've said it before, he's a Rolls Royce. I think he makes an incredible difference. And I reckon GWS would almost, I can't say for certain, but I reckon they'd almost get up over Collingwood in that one with him in the lineup. Uh, one player who looked back to his best, which uh, is quite um, interesting given he comes up against the side, he said wouldn't win a premiership in his time while he was at Collingwood, is Adam Trelaw. He, in that final quarter, the first 10 minutes, he really turned it on and probably won the game for Collingwood in that 10 minutes. Yeah, well, it was the second game back from that long layoff and, yeah, maybe it just did take that extra week to really hit his straps. Um, one thing's for sure, he's definitely going to hear the vocal Richmond crowd whenever he goes near it, but uh, there'll be an equally loud Collingwood crowd there and, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that game. Yeah, that one's going to be a cracker. Well, first off, we're going to, um, visit, a, uh, we're going to visit another segment um, that we uh, introduced last week uh, just after the break, which is a rate it or hate it. Looking forward to this one. Welcome back. So we've got rated or hate it. And um, starting off, it will be probably some players will come up um, once or twice in these rated or hated segments, just as more information comes to hand as to uh, where they may be off to. Um, so Mitch McGovern um, got a choice of four clubs, apparently, leaning heavily towards one, which everyone assumes is Carlton. But there's also the uh, lure of the home state with Fremantle and West Coast heavily interested, as are... Whenever any quality player comes up, as are the Hawks. So this one, Hados, with the four clubs, who rates it? Who hates it? What's your, what's your gut feel? Well, all of them are going to love it. Mm. Um, so it really just comes down to uh, what Mitch thinks. But if I were him, I'd be looking at either Hawthorne, Frio or West Coast with Carlton, my last pick. Um, whether or not Carlton can offer more money and probably a longer longer deal because they just, you know, I'd imagine they'd have a lot of cap space. They haven't been doing a lot with it. So, um, yeah, I think uh, any club would be happy to take him. If Mitch go, is going, show me the money, he's going to Carlton. So it's a rate it for Carlton, I think. So the next one is another player who's also been in the media a lot, hasn't committed to the Gold Coast Suns, can't see him committing to the Gold Coast Suns. It's Stephen May who now has, interestingly enough, had, uh, I think it's just more to create interest. This is getting more, uh, very much Premier League style with these trade rumours now. The more clubs that are interested, the more it raises the stakes. Um, Stephen May to Collingwood, Melbourne or Essendon? Uh, once again, another quality player. So all these teams are going to rate um, adding Stephen May to the mix. He probably makes the most sense at Collingwood. Um, I think that they've got... a Desperate need for a big, strong fullback. Lyndon Dunn, uh, probably going to miss most of next year. And they had a raft of injuries this year. He adds that um, stability and also just adds to the depth that they have been able to find. But he is a very quality player. So, 
yeah, if he goes to Collingwood, they're going to be pretty happy. Yeah, rate it for Collingwood. Next one, Daniel Hanbury to St Kilda. Now, this one is pretty much locked, loaded, and ready to go. There was talk of Collingwood uh, putting their hands up earlier in the week, but um, Hanbury's basically come out and said he only wants to exclusively get to the Saints. Pretty much, it means do they have to trade away their top draft pick to get him, or can they find another way around it? Um, I would hope that it's another way around it. I wouldn't want to be giving a first-round pick um, only on the back of last last year, to be fair. He is a quality player, All-Australian, had a number of really, really strong years. So if you can get back to that, maybe he's worth a first-rounder, but on the basis of last, last season, I'd... I'd want to find another way than giving up a first-round pick. Yeah, no, definitely. Now, this one has uh, seemed to have gathered momentum as the off-season has worn on, and that's Chad Wingard to either the Western Bulldogs or Hawthorne. And the Western Bulldogs, it's really gathered momentum over the last week with talks that uh, Jackson Trengove in the background has been... uh, Doing his best to lure his, one of his best mates to the uh, to the kennel. Yes, and um, there's also a strong rumour that Jarman Impey on the, the Hawthorne side. Apparently those three were inseparable. So um, I guess if Chad does choose one of those clubs, we'll find out who he liked more. Um, and again, another quality player. These guys are going to be pretty stoked to have him. And maybe if Port can get that really uh, high-end uh, draft pick, they'll probably say that's a win. Yeah, it's looking increasingly likely that his time is away uh, from Alberton now, and that's possibly because they don't want to pay Chad Wingard on the potential he showed three, four years ago, and that that's where it lies. He's got the potential to be a lot better than what he has been. He hasn't shown it. Porter trying to be ruthless in the off-season, so I can see why they're looking to get rid of him. I'm not sure that I agree with it, but... Um, interestingly enough, just finding out today that uh, his manager, Tom Petroro, uh, was in Melbourne and just happened to uh, bump into Hawthorne list manager, Graham Wright, which just goes along with a little bit of the story with Jarman Impey. So be interested to see where this one ends up. Do I rate it? No, I hate it. But if I can get, uh, if Port can get in a uh, high-end draft pick, then uh, that's probably the best that they can do. So we'll move on to Rory Lobb. And this one seems to be gaining momentum as well, which uh, which I, for the life of me, I cannot understand, given their lack of big big men. It's Rory Love from GWS to Fremantle, and it's gathering pace. So are we talking a trade, or is this a free agent? No, this is a trade. Yep. Well, yeah, that is interesting, because, as you said, they don't have a lot of uh, quality big men. And he, uh, if you had a really strong ruckman, Gave him the uh, forward ruck role. He really excelled in that a number of years ago. Kicked a few big bags. Um, so, yeah, I think he'd be a great addition to Fremantle. They really need tall targets up forward. They have uh, Sean Darcy, a nice up-and-coming ruck, and maybe that's the role that they see for Lobb. The issue I see with this is that Rory Lobb isn't really the one that wants to go in this. It's more the club, and I think that's more than salary cap space because I think they're trying to keep, in regards to that, Shield. Dylan Shield. Um, so for mine, it just doesn't make sense. But uh, rate it if you're free, man, or hate it if you're a GWS supporter because they just cannot afford to lose a quality big man like Lob. So that brings us to um, one of our fantasy favourites over the time. Um, Aaron Hall hasn't had the best couple of years due to injury and form. Uh, being linked with a few clubs, 
but did meet with North Melbourne during the week, but also St Kilda and Carlton in the mix. Yeah, Aaron Hall is a bit of a love-hate um, bit of an enigma. fantasy sort of player, uh, but a quality player on his day. He, Interestingly, though, he's been dropped by two different coaches. So there's something not quite right. Maybe it's during the week. He's just not training as hard as he should be. Well, let, let's let's be honest. I mean, Stuart Jew's trying to change that. Uh, obviously, the training standards haven't been the highest for a few years now, so you cannot blame him um, solely for that. I think I think it's systematic or um, of that whole club. He is. He can be an enigma. He can he can win thirty five possessions, look like an absolute match winner, and then the next week he can get seven possessions and look like he belongs in the D grade. He's one of those players. But if he's going to a North Melbourne, I think that's the best move for him. Be around a quality club that prides itself on being hard at the uh, hard at the ball, hard at the contest, uh, and prides itself on its performance. And they also have Sean Higgins and uh, Cunnington, probably they would be more likely to attract attention from opposition. So he might be able to, um, you know, be a third or fourth string midfielder and just rack up lots of ball. And Jared Pollock, if he heads there too, that's another one that's probably... Well, I was going to say, with, with, with Pollock, he then becomes a fifth string midfielder and he just gets off the chain. So it, it could be a good move for Hall. I don't know if St Kilda's the right feel for him. Um, and, yeah, Carlton... Yeah, again, not sure that that's the right fit for him. I think rated at North Melbourne, hated at the others. All right, a few uh, fringe players quickly to get through um, from Richmond. A trio of Tigers all seemingly going only linked with the Gold Coast Suns, so that might not all be true. But uh, Corey Ellis, who's been on the fringes, Jacob Townsend, premiership um, forward from last season, who's been in and out this year, can't really find that consistency. Uh, And Anthony Miles, who just racks up ball after ball in the VFL, but just can't break the um, Strong Tigers lineup and looking for chances elsewhere. All linked with the move to the Gold Coast Suns. I think even if all three went there um, for either third or fourth or fifth round draft picks um, so that Gold Coast can re... Um, so that Richmond get something in return, I don't think that's a bad move. I'd, I'd probably rate it for those three players. Gives them some young players as well as a bit of experience as well. Yeah, I think this is a win-win for both clubs if it should eventuate. Um as you said, they're three fringe players that obviously be linked to Gold Coast for the opportunity and nothing else, basically. Um, Miles is probably the most relevant out of those three. I don't know too much about Townsend and Ellis, other than Townsend's uh, great final se- uh, series last season. Um, but yeah, I think Miles is uh, decent enough to uh, have a best 22 for the whole year. And um, yeah, good luck to him. Um, next one, George Horland Smith from Geelong to once again linked to the Gold Coast. He, he's one of those players that um, when he comes in for Geelong, he usually does a job and he usually does it well, but he just can't break that uh, that final twenty two. The week after, he does nothing. That's pretty much the uh, George Holland Smith coaster. That is George Holland Smith. So yeah, I, I'd rate it if he goes to the Gold Coast. Probably gets his opportunity. But needs to um, needs to take it and perform on a consistent basis. Uh, the next one, Reese Conker, a uh, former um, first round draft pick for Richmond, heavily linked back to his home state of Fremantle. Yeah, um, he's well heavily linked back to his home state of Western Australia and the club Fremantle, I should say. He's a handy enough player. I'm not sure if I'd be throwing out a four or five year deal as as it's been reported in AFL.com. 
But uh, yeah, I think it would probably be a, a win-win for both clubs there. Again, Reese Conkey's not heavily cemented into the best 22. He does play regularly. Um, but yeah, there'd be more opportunity at Fremantle. He might sort of start in the midfield, which is maybe something he's interested in. Yeah, it could be something he's looking for. So probably rate it on both cents there. Uh, to the Coming to the last two, and these two have um, really come on in the last couple of days uh, in terms of where they might be heading. Nick Newman, uh, originally linked to the Gold Coast Suns, has had a meeting with uh, North Melbourne. Again, he's one of those players that you just think... Um, if he goes to a North Melbourne, he could really excel, given the opportunities. And given they don't... Halfback flankers aren't exactly, uh, other than Sean Attlee, aren't exactly a flush at North Melbourne. So he could really find a niche there. Yeah, and it just highlights the depth that Sydney have. If you've got Hanabry and uh, Newman, both they would walk, be walk-up starts in a lot of midfields, and they are sort of getting pushed out. I'm not. So, I'm not sure that Sydney has the depth. From what I'm, I think it's a more of a regeneration for Sydney. I'm. I'm thinking Sydney's really at the crossroads. I'm not sure that they can afford to lose these players. I think it's the players themselves wanting out of now an unstable environment that was once stable. Yeah. Well, time will tell, I guess. But uh, yeah, Nick Newman. I think he can do good things in a in a midfield or off off a halfback flank. As you said, he racks up the pill like no one else in the in the lower levels, and uh, he definitely has the ability to do it full-time at AFL level, and uh, if he gets his opportunity at either of those two clubs, I think uh, that's going to be a big win for them. Yeah, I rate it. I think he's better suited at North Melbourne, but for mine, it's a whether, it's whether North Melbourne can, uh, can give something decent enough back in return to Sydney, given the, the players that might be coming into that club. So it may be a case of North Melbourne wanting him, not having enough to satisfy or having to get a third party involved to get in there. So Gold Coast could sort of come in Stephen Bradbury style with that one. So the last one involves uh, your club, and the news dropping today that um, St Kilda Ruckman Tom Hickey has had a medical with West Coast indicating um, that they are looking to sign him. Yeah, and, I mean, I don't love it. I feel like... Oh, uh, I rate it. I rate it highly. I mean, he's going to give you... He's going to give you at least a Ruckman, at least for a year. Um, he's probably slightly better than Vardy, just well, slightly. I mean, <laughs> we, we have to get him for absolutely nothing, and I mean nothing, because... I'll chuck in a can of Coke and a pasty for him. Well, well, we'll take it. All right. But, as you said, Vardy and him, they're pretty similar players. They don't have a lot of mobility... And uh, Vardy probably offers more up forward than Hickey. So for me, I'd be playing Vardy ahead of him unless Hickey really uh, comes on. But um, I think he's what? He's got to be into his late 20s. Yeah, mid to late 20s. I think around that 25, 26. But but hey, that's when some Ruckman can produce their best. If I was West Coast, though, there's one Ruckman I'd be looking at seriously that has been linked with a move to Melbourne for God knows what reason. And that's Braden Pruce. Yeah, I was thinking the same. But again, is his mobility any better than Hickey's or Vardy's? Or Lysett's for that matter. Which is probably what a lot of clubs um, unfortunately think about. Unfortunately, there's not a uh, dearth of big men available. Uh, reading up, um, Zach Smith might be available. Ivan Soldo... So the Tommy Campbell, so the the rock the ruckmen that are available aren't exactly your top 
your top liners. Yeah, and clubs like West Coast, I mean, ideally, in a perfect world, we're only going to need him for one year while Nick Nat recovers, and then Nick Nat goes on and plays another five years, hopefully. But um, Five years? He's going to be hitting 30. He's getting quite confident there. Yeah, well, he looks like a player that could do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and there's a few players that were in... Um, there's one player that was in Rated or Hated as a trade rumour, and surprisingly... Um, Re-signed with the Bulldogs when it was seemed that all was lost with this player re-signing the Bulldogs. And that's Mitch Wallace re-signed on a three-year deal. So that's really, really uh, good for the Bulldogs because he showed some really strong uh, back-end form in the uh, in the back end of the season. So I think they'd be really happy with that, that they've managed to um, keep him keep him there and keep the, uh, keep the other clubs at bay with that one. Yeah, probably. But I feel like he could do so much more at another club if he just had that full-time midfield. Um, exposure, I really reckon that he could do a lot more damage than the sort of bit part role that he plays in the middle and up forward. But the, I mean that that could be coming with regards to how he did play the back end of that season. It was more midfield minutes, and they might be looking at the role that Bontempelli played with uh, sort of fifty fifty forward midfield as more of a damaging role for Bontempelli. That could be what they're looking at. Uh, the the other two that have re-signed are um, Joe Attlee, who was linked heavily back to North Melbourne to play with his brother uh, from Port. He's re-signed for a couple of years, choosing mates over family, I think was what was uh, mentioned. So that's uh, good in a way for Port, but hopefully he can break into their lineup next season and take uh, Polek's spot um, where he was playing on the wing because he's got the pace to do it. It's just a matter of whether he uh, he can knuckle down and make that spot his own. The other one being Ryan Abbott from Geelong. Again, we spoke about that dearth of big men. He had a really good last couple of games, showed a lot of potential. Again, one of these mature-age Ruckman, Hayden, that has come on later in their career, which most often happens with these Ruckman. I think he's 26, 27. Didn't seem out of his depth when uh, when we saw him play, I don't think. Yeah, he had a few good moments, that's for sure. Um, up against Dawn and you know some pretty quality Ruckman in the time that he had that short introduction. But uh, yeah, interesting that he signed. I guess uh, it's going to be between him and Stanley next year is who's going to take that first Ruck role. Um, so yeah, I think he's obviously pretty confident in his own game. And yeah, all right, that rounds out rated or hate it for this week. Welcome back, and now we're getting to the. Uh to the uh, exciting part of the uh, program, the finals, preliminary finals preview. And we'll start off with Richmond and Collingwood tomorrow night at the MCG. And both sides, rare to see at this time of the year, going unchanged. Yeah, uh, that's good for them, though. They, they got the continuity happening, which is so important these days. And um, they're going to be really tight close units so again it's going to just make for a really mouth-watering clash I'm probably even though my team's in the other game I'm probably more so looking forward to this one I think uh, it's going to be a really tight contest and just that huge crowd at the MCG uh, it's got everything going for it and I can't wait yeah well I think I think it's going to be tipping the 100 uh, 100,000 scale for this one uh, Richmond looking in the betting markets are the uh, heavily back favorite at dollar 38 Collingwood providing plenty of value if you think they can get over the top of Richmond there at three dollars fifteen. Surprisingly, the line is uh, sixteen and a half, and the unders and overs is uh, one sixty one and a half. Which, if you're looking at overs, is um, quite tasty given the last three have all gone over one eighty. Uh, so there's value there as well, but 
as my mate said, he'd be loath to go overs in a final at the MCG. He'd uh, he'd be picking unders. Yep, that's fair enough. And uh, what this game's going to come down to, again, we know what Richmond are going to bring. They're going to bring four quarters of hard-running, high-pressure football. They've been doing it all year for the last 18 months. And uh, it's just whether or not Collingwood can match it with them. I think they can. Um, but for the whole game, I'm not so sure. I, I don't know about that. Collingwood, the last two times they've played them, have only been blown away in the last quarter. But also, each time, they've been down two rotations against Richmond. You can't afford to be down rotations against Richmond. So if Collingwood players can actually stay fit in this game, I think this could go either way. Think- I'm not convinced that... Mind you, and I, and I haven't been convinced about Richmond the whole year, so... That's just my own personal bias, and I'm probably going to loathe it because I probably will go back-to-back. But I think Collingwood can get it done if everything goes their way. I think uh, in the rucks and the midfield, they'll probably uh, might have a slight advantage there, and that's going to go a long way to uh, helping them get the job done. Um, interestingly, you say you don't rate Richmond, but do you rate Bet Easy offering two dollars for them to beat Collingwood? Oh, I would snap that up in a heartbeat. They're a dollar thirty-eight on uh, Ladbroke, so I would take that every day of the week. And I have backed them in for the premiership at a dollar ninety-five after their qualifying final win. I do think they'll win, but interestingly enough, in both matches, when Nank the Tank Toby Nank Curvis has gone off the ground for a break and Brody Grundy has stayed on, Collingwood have dominated proceedings and come back each time to a point where Richmond have had to bring him back on. So Brody Grundy can exploit Richmond when Nank the Tank has to have a breather. Yeah, he has that superior fitness over probably every Ruckman in the AFL. So, yeah, if they can look to make some serious inroads into Richmond at uh, those uh, junctures, then, uh, yeah, that gives them their best chance and um, how much they can keep up with them while... Nank is on the ground is uh, going to be the, the telling point. All right, putting our um, reputations on the line, I'm going to go with the safer option, even though I've suggested that Collingwood have more than enough quality to win this. I think you can't go past the side that's gone 22 unbeaten at the MCG, have been unbeaten at the MCG this season. I think it's Richmond. Yeah, I'm the same. Although I would be happy to to lose that twenty five dollars at Bet Easy and see Collingwood advance to the grand final. Yeah, I, I could agree with that. All right, let's move on to uh, I know a game you're itching for, but also, like you said, you probably prefer to watch Richmond Collingwood because there's less pressure involved, and that is West Coast and Melbourne from what will be an absolutely packed Optus Stadium. On the interestingly enough time of Saturday afternoon, but that's to allow both sides enough time for recovery for the grand final. West Coast versus Melbourne. Yeah, it is a pretty annoying uh, time slot. And to make matters worse, the Sa- uh, the Saffle grand final featuring Ross Trevor is on at the same time. So, I mean... Oh, you are two, torn. You camps, are torn. Two camps that I'm very heavily invested in. 
and it might be a sneaky uh, stream on the phone. While I was going to say you've got you've got AFL Live. <laughs> I think you might be watching the Rocks Grand Final whilst having AFL Live on at the same time, and your eyes diverting to all places. Yeah, and I'll be enjoying every second of it. Oh, of course you will. With as long the, as they're winning. As long as both are winning. Um, now, looking at the odds, there's not too much to separate these two. Uh, unlike the Richmond-Collingwood game, this is quite even. West Coast at $1.80 being the home side and Melbourne at $2.05. Um, the last two occasions, Melbourne have gone to Perth and played West Coast. They have won both games, but once at Subiaco and obviously earlier this season at Optus Stadium. Does it give Melbourne a slight advantage having been there and beaten your side on those two occasions? I don't know about advantage, but it's definitely not going to hold any fears for them. Um, they both pretty close contests, and Melbourne were made to earn both of them. Um, and as we saw, they've got great momentum behind them. They've got a lot of belief, and uh, they're a really tight-knit group again, which is oh so important these days. And uh, they're definitely going to be hard to beat. There is a deciphering factor, though, in my books... Uh, we do have this time round Josh Kennedy and hopefully Jack Darling doesn't get knocked out in the first five minutes again. And I think uh, those two forward options are going to make the Demons defenders uh, sweat a bit and hopefully that proves to be the difference. But then there's also another differing factor. Jack Viney is back in the Melbourne lineup and he has been a colossus the last two weeks. They primed him perfectly for the finals with how they structured his rehab. He has come in, has not missed a beat, has laid an exorbitant amount of tackles. He's a tackling machine. And the other thing is, when he's got the ball, you can't tackle him. He's an absolute beast. I've seen Ollie Wines, who's best mates with him, get absolutely thrown away like a ragdoll by Viney. So he's uh, he's very uh, he's very much probably one of the hardest players in the competition. Now, I'll give you a stat that I saw on... Uh, on the couch on Monday night. West Coast, when they've won or lost contested possession by up to 11, have won all 17 of their matches. When it's gone over that, losing the contested possession by 11, they've lost all six matches this season. Contested possessions is what Melbourne thrives itself on. Therefore, for mine, that is a huge threat to West Coast winning this match. Yep, definitely a threat, but... Contested possession is also a key to West Coast game. And as you said, as long as they don't lose it by too much, they win. And um, that's a big factor in itself too. Uh, that's definitely been a focus for Adam Simpson this whole season and uh, in the off-season. And it's what's seen us improve by so much. So, uh, And as you said, Jack Viney is an absolute raging ball. I'm not going to be upset if he happens to uh, flare up that toe issue or whatever it is that's been keeping him out. No, I think, he, I think he's pretty good. The, the, the doubt remained with Max Gorn, but even he's trained strongly. So I think Jack Vining's pretty good this week, man. I think he's I think he's uh, fine, fit, and raring to go. No, even if he did have a toe issue, I don't think he's missing this one. Yeah, that's great to hear. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, that's going to be a huge contest. I think Mark, Mark Hutchings goes to Clayton Oliver again. He did a decent enough job last time. Probably negates his ball-winning win, ability um, ever so slightly. And... Um, yeah, it's going to be left up to Elliot Yo, Luke Shuey, and Dom Sheed, who's really come on um, since Gaff's gone out. And, uh, yeah, I'm just hoping that we've got enough uh, crowd support as well. I hope they don't let any Melbourne supporters into the 
the Perth Stadium this time and uh, West Coast win. Yeah, I'm gonna. You're not gonna like me. You're really not. I've loved Melbourne's final series, and I've liked them before that. I really think they can do a job over in over in the West, and I'm backing a Richmond Melbourne Grand Final here. I'm backing the Demons in on the basis that Viney. Oliver, Jones, Tyson, all get on top of that Melbourne midfield. Hutchings, for mine, is going to have to divide his time 50-50 between Oliver and Viney because if he doesn't, I think one of them is going to really get off the chain. Um, for mine, I think Melbourne just get up by a couple of goals. Um, their value at 205. Um, the under and over is set at... It's, it's very minor. It's only two and a half. So that shows you how tight the game is. And the unders and overs is 170. I'd be looking at unders in this one. I really think it's going to be too tight to call overs on this one. Um, we should, should make mention the, the changes. These two teams did have a change each. Um, Shepard went out for Schofield, who came in. Now, Shepard's probably, given how bad that hamstring looked, you'd struggle to see him back this season, wouldn't you? Yeah, that's already been uh, 100% ruled out that he won't be back. And that is a huge loss for West Coast. He's probably been, besides Shannon Hearn, our best and most consistent. He's very clean. He's very clean off that halfback line. Very clean with his disposal. And he really is a great negator too. He does jobs on Robbie Gray. He does it on pretty much the most dangerous forward in any uh, team's attack. So, so he can work both ways, and that and they're going to miss that. Schofield doesn't give you as much of that as what Shepard did. So that is a loss, and you couple that with Gaff and Natanui, it starts to add up. So you can see why I'm tempted on Melbourne. Yeah, it does, but um, we've had a fantastic year, and really, after the season that we've had, we have to make the grand final. It's pretty simple. Um, obviously, the fans are going to be expecting that we win, and, uh, yeah, I really hope we do. So that'd be great to see. Now, for Melbourne, um, really, this is a str- not a strange change. It's an unforced change. And you think, oh, okay, they're making an unforced change. Bring back Bernie Bintz. No, they haven't brought back Burn. They've uh, brought in versatile Joel Smith, probably to cover the versatility of West Coast forward line in that Joel Smith can play a variety of roles. Uh, he can play tall. He can sm- he's a bit like Ben Stratton in a way. Um, and the unfortunate player to miss out. He's only missed one game for the season. He was brought in on the Jack Watts trade, and he's been an absolute uh, revelation for Melbourne, and it's Bailey Fritz. Um, Very, very stiff. Um, We were discussing about it before the show, and perhaps, you know, Perhaps a Charlie Spargo could have been the one to miss out, but no, it's the uh, it's the Fritz. Yeah, there's a few players I would have dropped before uh, Fritz, that's for sure. Uh, he's had a wonderful season. He'd be uh, pretty happy with himself. He looks like he's still 16, so um, maybe that's come into Goodwin's thinking that he doesn't have that quite same contested uh, sort of presence as he'd like. Um, but... Yeah, other than that, very stiff. Yeah, so our predictions in this one, uh, obviously, Haydot is sticking with the Weagles to meet Richmond in the grand final, and I'm sticking with the Ds. So we'll come back. We're just going to finish off with a quick Brownlow medal prediction for Monday night. All right, we're back for the final segment. The uh, Brownlow medal prediction, always a tough time of year to try and uh, figure out who's going to take Charlie home. I think this year there's an undisputable and unbackable favourite in uh, Tommy Mitchell. He's uh, quite 
short odds. Uh, I think he's underneath. He's under twos now, isn't he? He is, but he was shorter, and I'm not sure it's uh, over the line as uh, a lot of people were thinking. I think he was a dollar twenty. Wow. Uh, coming into the last last couple of rounds, so okay. his form did dip away. Um, but yeah, I think he still wins it, and it'd be good to see because he racks up as much ball as anyone. And and vindicates his move from from the Sydney Swans to Hawthorne, where he perhaps wasn't getting the midfield time, and perhaps Sydney are paying for that big buddy trade. Yeah. Um, Dustin Martin screams value at seven dollars. He I, just gets so many brownlow votes. But I just like, don't. Can... I don't like it because. The reason why I don't like it is in terms of dusty standards. It's nowhere near being his best year. No, it's not, but it's still pretty good. He tracks the attention of the umpires, and that's what you need, and that's where he could score votes. For mine, you've got to look at the likes of Max Gorn, Clayton Oliver, Brody Grundy, all of those that sort of get in and under the umpires. Even though I know that Ruckman don't score votes, I'm backing there could be a bit of a renaissance this season back towards the Ruckman getting votes. Yeah, and I think uh, it would be a people's favourite if uh, Gorm were to win it. He's oh, a very lovable character. People would be clean snapping all over the and place if you, they you uh, imagine, if he wins the Brownlow. You can imagine the interviews straight after as well. That would be pretty, uh, uh, pretty laid back. Pretty chilled, pretty yeah. chilled. Although, mind you, hipster um, Grundy can uh, give a uh, pretty chilled interview as well. So right. must be a bit of a Ruckman's Club type thing. Yeah, it could be. Maybe they spend a lot of time with with each other. All right, so let let's put our let's put our um, money where our mouth is. I'm predicting a top three of uh, Tommy Mitchell, Maxi Gorn, and I'm going for a surprise at three. He's an absolute midfield ball. Now I know this side didn't win many games. Well. When I say many, I guess two would be how many they won. So that gives you an indication of where I'm heading. So Patrick Cripps would be my third option. I think he gets enough one, two votes. And then in the games where he's really dominated and they've been close, he can grab those three votes to get him right up there. Well, I don't mind it. And he's not that much of an outsider as you might think. He's the fourth in the betting at $10. Um, but again, obviously the main issue is whether or not... Uh, they're going to give votes to someone who loses by 100 points every week. Um, yeah, for me, it's Mitchell. I think Martin might come second and gone. That's the first uh, three favourites. So, again, not too uh, out of the ordinary there. I think uh, there's a few players that do represent a little bit of value. I like uh, my boy Elliot Yo. Um, I think he's had a really good year. He, he has. He, he has. a few down games, as we know he can do. But other than that, he's Well, that's why he's called the Yo-Yo. <laughs> and my Smokey would be, as we were speaking about before we came on air, Sean Higgins. Um, yeah. Really, really good season at North. Really showed why North Melbourne brought him in. Really showed why he's an elite player of the competition. Again, can he win enough votes... Um, with the likes of Cunnington around him that also had a very fine season, to be able to, much like with Yo, Andrew Gaff taking votes off him per se, or yeah. with Max Gorn, Clayton Oliver taking votes off him. Yeah, that's, that's the issue. issue. Um, just looking, though, Dyson Heppel at 101. He didn't miss any games, and I thought he had a pretty good year. He would have got 30 disposals more often than not. Yeah, but it's that first half of the year that puts them behind the eight ball. Can he get enough ones or twos in that time where they might have won a game yeah. or two to be able to then get votes in the back half of the season. But then you've also got to look at, in that back half of the season, Zach Merritt, uh, who else was on fire Devin for Smith. Devin Smith, the tackling machine himself. So the, that's where the issue lies. Someone so, like Mitchell, 
Omir replied, well, but not better than Mitchell. So therefore, you say, well, Mitchell gets the three votes every time. And that's probably just, you know, it reflects how much of a season he's had when he's $1.60 going into the event. So it's his to lose. I think much like in previous years, I think the favourite wins Charlie, and I think it's going to be Mitchell's, um, and it's going to be a Hawthorne Brownlee medalist. Um, the last one that I can remember that uh, was a Brownlee medalist for Hawthorne was Shane Crawford. Two-time winner. Yeah, there you go. So that's a long time, long, long time ago. And I don't dipper, know, is he dipper too... before him? Dipper before him, yeah. So Hawthorne, despite being such a successful side, have never really had those uh, Brownlee medalists. Definitely not... Ratton. Did he win one? Yeah, Carlton, though. No, he no, didn't know, but he didn't. He played for Carlton, sorry. but he didn't win one. I'm thinking of John Platten. You're thinking of the Rat, the rat Platten, and he did win one. Yes. So that is a wrap on this episode. Next week, we've obviously got the uh, big grand final preview, and obviously Hados will be hoping that uh, he's previewing a Richmond-West Coast grand final. Well, I may not do the preview at all if West Coast don't make it. Well, okay, that's that. Well, maybe doing it solo, <laughs> no, folks. It won't be like yeah. Um, yeah, and it's my birthday coming up. So if West Coast were to win this week, an early birthday present, couple that with a grand final birthday present, I'm not going to be upset. No. Yeah, no. Well, yes, for your birthday coming up, let's hope they get in there, and let's hope they win it for you. Uh, just a bit of a um, bit of feedback we had during the week. Uh, apparently. Um, we offer better conversation, and we're uh, much hipper than uh, Cardi B. Yeah, I one of our followers. So <laughs> quite happy with that. If Any he's pre- good if feedback. he's prepared to listen to us over Cardi B, I'm happy with that. She's yeah. definitely got more followers than what we do, so we'll take that. And then just also a big shout out to uh, one of our mates going through a bit of a tough period um, in Surrey. So our hearts go out to him this week. So we just want to uh, let him know that we're right behind him, and um, he's got all of our support. All right, good luck to your sides this weekend in the prelim finals. Good luck to your sides if they're in the Saffle grand final. Uh, good luck to your side if they're in the Sandful grand final. Oh. We won't uh, We won't even go there. That's opening too much of a can of worms. That's another 19th man and all that. And uh, I know it was a slogan for a certain club here in Adelaide, but some other clubs obviously taking that on board, literally. Um, so good luck to all your sides this weekend and happy punting. Uh, that will be a wrap for us and we'll see you next week.